breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome to another episode this week of Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. It is an honor to be with all of you, and thank you for joining me. If you're new, I hope you're looking for a voice of freedom, a voice of liberty, an American Muslim patriot who believes that Muslims need to lead the battle, the war against radical and political Islam, and yet we need all of your help. If you've listened before and you're back, thank you. I try to get us out of the weeds, get us some clarity, some clarity on what is the battle that we're fighting. What is the truth? Because lately I have to tell you, night is day and day is night. I don't know what is happening, but the left has now begun to basically say what you think is completely the opposite of what life should be. And they think that just saying the opposite is somehow going to be true. And yet, CNN today had a piece in which they wanted us to believe that it was so unfair that Ambassador Nikki Haley, that so many people on the right have been basically saying that the Democrats love terrorists more than they love America. Now, that seems harsh on the surface, but you remember last week you and I talked about the killing of Qasem Soleimani, this terrorist, this this general that might have been a leader in the IRGC, and certainly had a uh, position in the Iranian government, but clearly, clearly was a terrorist, clearly had a network that was targeting those who believe in freedom, was targeting individuals that were a threat to their hegemony in the Middle East, using terrorist actions. They worked with Assad using chemical weapons. They worked and have been identified with the death of over 600 Americans. And the rap sheet on Soleimani is longer than Awlaki, Bin Laden, and Baghdadi combined. And we talked about that last week. But this week, I want to talk about the left. You know, I used to think that the Islamists, the Islamists were the biggest threat. But I have to tell you that the pool that they're thriving in here in the West, they're minority. We Muslims are barely 1% of the American population. The concerns about Sharia are, are, are only regarding an insular aspect of the difficulty of reform for us. The bigger issue, as you and I know, is Muslim reform in Muslim-majority countries where they run the show, where the militaries are either autocratic dictatorships, military tyrannies, or they're Islamist theocracies. But here in the West... We're quickly realizing that President Trump's administration is revealing the fact that the biggest cancer, globally it might be political Islam, which I still think it is, but in the West, the greatest threat to our existence, I believe, is, and I have to tell you, I think the the left is more guilty of this, is hyper-partisanship where anything, anything goes for the sake of, of one-upsmanship and partisanship, and for the left, the lack of nationalism, the lack of national identity and pride. And I know it's going to offend some of you that are 
Left of center, that's not what I mean to do, but I hope you can wake up to what's happening. When, when a president of the United States takes out the head of a, the, a war criminal that is the head of an organization like the Iranian Republican Guard Corps, and we have witnessed now this last week of radical commentary in which we have kids being afraid of that we're going to war, we have uh, a hand-wringing about the, the president should have gotten permission about it when President Obama nor Bush had permission, especially Obama never got permission about killing bin Laden, about killing Awlaki or any of these guys and the drone attacks. There was none of that. So that tells you this is a hypocrisy and a corruption that is purely based, purely based on a dislike, on a hate of conservatives and anything they may do. And it's an embarrassment. And I think ultimately it tells you that the biggest threat right now to our protection of our values against the threat of theocracy, against the threat of China's threat uh, uh, technologically and militarily and Russia and all the other threats to America, the greatest threat, I believe, internally and thus strength-wise is the left's abandonment of our national cohesion. Now you can sit down and blame Trump's politics and his and his uh, in-your-face uh, disgust and things that made the flyover country folks, the citizens that elected for the most part President Trump feel that they had a voice with him. You can talk about that visceral nature of politics that he has helped swirl. But now when we do something good as a nation and our leader, regardless of what I think of him, and our president commits our military to an act that was swift, that included intelligence that showed multiple operations that Soleimani was intending, not to mention an embassy of ours that was being attacked. And now we hear that there were other targets in Yemen that may have been a part of it. This has to be a good thing, and yet we're continuing to wring our hands. There is no level, it appears, to which the left will not try to find some way to use a piece of information to get to Trump rather than deal with the truth and deal with the realities of what our country, what our ideology, what the West, what freedom, what universal human rights has achieved in the defense of humanity every day. And you know, this week, I think something was hit home for me is many people say, where are the moderate voices? Why are Muslims so asleep? Yeah, I think those are primary pathologies for our community. But I have to tell you in the West, for all of you who are non-Muslims, you have a bigger problem than Muslims. Because this century it might be political Islam, next century it might be China. On and on, the threats against freedom are never want, but freedom will stay strong as long as it stays united and it keeps its priorities correct. And at this point, I can tell you, looking at the left's response, the apologetics with Keith Ellison, for example, the former congressman who Ilhan Omar took his place and now he's Attorney General of Minnesota, had the temerity to tweet just this weekend, tweet that 
Where's the evidence that Soleimani was an imminent threat? Where's the evidence? And despite multiple briefings and demonstrations that have shown that, and nothing from him criticizing the heinous war crimes coming from Soleimani and the Iranian regime. Nothing coming from the Democrats about the threats of Iran. And somehow all of a sudden it becomes a straw man argument that we are headed to war. Never mind the fact that if there's been any Republican president in the last century, since World War II in the last 70, 80 years, that has campaigned on getting out of war and being anti-war, it's been President Trump. So a, a strong, forceful response to terrorist threats to making sure that Iran doesn't get a nuclear weapon, to ending appeasement. Where was their response, as I said last week in the podcast, where was their response when we named the IRGC, the Iranian Republican Guard Corps, a terror organization which thus made their generals terrorists? And you know, you hear all the apologetics coming from the left this week about, well, so if Russia participated in Syria, then their generals are terrorists too. We didn't name the, the the state of Russia a terrorist organization. There was just a scant amount of debate about the IRGC, but you look at our ability to get our the threats. There are sleeper cells, it turns out, of Hezbollah in Mexico involved in drug trade and multiple other threats, and the reason we are able to ferret those out a lot better than we were the Sunni threats of Islamism that were part of the ISIS threat is because the Sunni theocratic regimes of Saudi Arabia's Wahhabism and Egypt's Al-Azhar's Muslim Brotherhood-type Islamism have not been sanctioned. There's been flow of money with radicalization and the building of mosques and ideologies of political Islam and anti-Westernism and anti-liberty and anti-democracy and pro-theocracy. But from the Shia side of the Islamist flavor, if you will, we've been able to track that. But the threats exist. They continue to exist. And the IRGC was the, was the tip of that spear in the Middle East that was enabling the murder and the death of many. But the topic for us today is the red-green access, if you will. I've talked about that before, that alliance between the far-left socialists, communists from the UN's China, Russia, communist parties from Europe to South America and Central America, and their alliances with the green theocratic movements of Islamists of Iran, the Muslim Brotherhood, Hamas, and other radical groups. Jeremy Corbyn is the classic example of the embodiment of the red-green axis within one person, within one human. <laughs> He's a, he is a, a wanton, walking endorsement for radical Islam and far-left socialism, if you will, and anti-capitalism and anti-freedom. Thank God he lost the British election. His anti-Semitism is, is grotesque. And his ideas that have been fomented within him, I think, are a lesson. And we're learning this lesson this week, is that when 
are guiding, regardless of who gets elected and what you have problems with. I mean, the other example of the of the sickness of the far left, and this is not just coming from me as a conservative, ladies and gentlemen. Majid Nawaz is a left-leaning liberal in London, a reformist who's part of our Muslim reform movement, who this week has been quite eloquent about why Soleimani should have been killed, why there are half a million families in Syria, if not more, who lost loved ones. That Soleimani was one of the chief architects with Assad of killing. And that that was a noble thing for him to be wiped off the face of the planet. And if you think that this was the beginning of war, the actions of Iran after this show that appeasement is actually handing them billions made them spread terror through Yemen and Syria and Iraq and make them feel they could take over more. But now they are retracting, they're apologizing as a mistake for downing an airliner. Ukrainian airliner with 176 souls that they killed. Rouhani posts, President Rouhani posts that this was a disastrous, horrific mistake. Excuse me, yeah, Sheikh, the mistake is your entire regime's theopolitical ideological existence. The political Islam that you've rope, that you've uh, wrapped yourselves in, the robes of false theology that you've created to empower yourselves to take away the rights of your citizens and make them into slaves is the mistake. Since we're going to be talking about mistakes, yes, you might not have intended to down that airliner, but you've killed hundreds of thousands in wars and your oppression. So, as Majid has said this week, and if you listen to his radio broadcast, LBC out of London, take a listen to what he said about the left. This is coming from somebody in the left. We've seen women's activists this week that have been attacked by Ilhan Omar. And before I get to her, a courageous Iranian activist for women's rights, before I get to her, this week there was a resolution that, yes, the Republican Senate, but a resolution that the Republican Senate put through calling for praising a measure praising the U.S. military for the U.S. military for the Soleimani killing, a measure to celebrate America's heroes, and not one dang Democrat could sign on. And as Adam Credo from the Free Beacon points out, Republicans were quick to sign on to a similar measure that lauded President Obama for killing bin Laden, which was done by SEAL Team 6 and a a laudatory measure to that SEAL team for what they did. But the Democrats couldn't get themselves to laud this measure because it's got to be something ill-intended. It's got to be something anti-Trump coming out of it, and we're not going to praise that. We're not going to have anything to do with that, even though it's about America. I mean, all of these things put together. Then you see a feminist part of the liberty movement against forcible hijab, forcible uh, attacks on women's bodily autonomy in Iran, 
she posted an unbelievable thread and was also on with Martha McCullum on Fox News this week, and her name is Messia Elinijad. And she said, Representative Ilhan Omar shared a defamatory article about me on social media by a Cook Brothers-funded think tank co-founded by a known sympathizer of the Iranian regime. That's the Quincy Institute, ladies and gentlemen. So now you're starting to see the coalescing of billions of dollars of, of, of donations into organizations that include Islamists endorsed by Ilhan Omar and her Muslim Brotherhood Network. Quincy Institute of the, of the National Iranian American Council founder, Treaty Parsi, who then goes on to form that with Koch Brothers money and Soros money. And now they're attacking brave, courageous women who defied the government of Iran, removing their hijab in the thousands. And Messi Halinejad is, is a Twitter sensation, and on social media she's well-known, not well-known to the traditional legacy media that's all about swampism and Gulf state appeasement and Iranian appeasement like Qatar and Turkey and other Islamist groups. She said, Ilhan Omar, when my innocent brother was recently taken hostage by the regime solely due to my advocacy of civil rights of Iran, I reached out to you expecting solidarity as a fellow Muslim woman. However, you were silent. You gave no reaction. When women like Saba Kordashfari, Yasaman Airani, Munira Arabshahi, and Moigan Kasharov were arrested for protesting against compulsory hijab in Iran and were sentenced to a total of 95 years in prison. You were silent. Uh, note, because she believes, apparently, as long as it's something that she believes in, like the hijab, she doesn't care if women are persecuted for, against it. Or is that because the Islamists are her constituents? You're silent, she said, even now as 176 people have been killed on board of Ukraine airlines under suspicious circumstances. After months of silence, you instead chose to amplify a smear campaign against her, Messiah Alinejad, a fellow woman of color. Your only comments to all these human rights abuses is to repeat Islamic public propaganda against me. As a journalist, I'm an independent contractor for a number of media outlets. And by the way, the piece that Ilhan retweeted and that Quincy Institute posted was that somehow this reporter was an agent for the American neocons and voice of America. And her response is, as a journalist, I'm an independent contractor for a number of media outlets, including the Persian language service, Voice of America, which was created to counter the propaganda of authoritarian adversaries like the Soviet Union. This was evident to all who know my work, including millions of voiceless Iranians. Is this what you're bullying me for? By bullying a freelance journalist like me, you are empowering the Revolutionary Guards to put more pressure on my family. Those of us who hail from countries ruled by tyrants are capable of denouncing both the cruel policies of Trump and dictators in our native lands. I've openly condemned Trump's travel ban, which separated me from my son in the UK and his threats of attacking cultural sites in Iran. I've also condemned the Islamic Republic's ban on Iranian 
dissidents that prevented people like me from going home. I've loudly protested a potential war against Iran years before you entered the Congress. And she ends, when I divulge the repression of the Islamic Republic, attacks against me proliferate by the regime and their imagined and their supporters in the West. I'd never imagined that one day a member of Congress, a fellow woman of color, would join in my oppressors in trying to defame me. And this says so much to, and it's so much about this program, what I try to talk about here on this podcast. We have things, we know what we want to reform. We know exactly what we need to reform. And yet when brave, courageous women and men do and stand up, it seems, ladies and gentlemen, that the biggest obstacles to that are the collectivist left that are working with propagandists, working with regimes that want to snuff out their populations. And you see them standing up and now night has become day and day has become night. They call one plus one equals four. And they're proud of it and will repeat it over and over because to them, all that matters is that they are the ones screaming about math. The equation doesn't matter. They're screaming about math. They care about math. So the ultimate formula doesn't matter. They care about the day. So if they scream into the night, they can call it day if they want. All of a sudden, taking out one of the worst terrorists on the planet, if not the worst is about an Iran, a war against Iran, which doesn't even exist. They fabricated it. And now Iran afterwards runs to its corner, throws missiles that kill nobody and attack a Iraqi base with some Americans on it. No Americans were hurt. Nobody was hurt that I know of. One of the weakest actions ever seen. But no, the Obama administration's efforts against Iran, when, by the way, they took 14 of our soldiers onto their ship for 24 hours, kidnapped them in the Straits of Hormuz. And the response was Secretary Kerry to get on the phone within 15 minutes and call and say, beg, please, please let them go. Please, please let them go. We'll give you more money. Who knows what he told them? We'll appease you more. Please just sign our nuclear deal. Let them go. And 24 hours later, those soldiers were demeaned and they were released. And years later, Iran continued to attack ships, to do attacks on Saudi oil refineries, to attack our embassies. And now we responded. And they'll blink. Hassan Nasrallah, the head of Hezbollah in Lebanon, is looking over his shoulder, I'm sure. I think there's no greater story about the travesty that has become the complete oblivion. You know, I get, I get notes, emails, uh, messages, direct messages, Twitter messages, Facebook messages sent to me. One of the most common questions I get is, Zudi, why don't you bring your message to MSNBC? Why aren't you on CNN? Why are you only on Fox? And some of them like Fox and say, but take your message to the others. They need to hear it more. And others can't stand Fox, so they they want my message on the channels they're watching. My response to them is, I have never, 
I have never said no to being on national media, left national media, MSNBC. I've been on a few times in the past, but since the Trump administration started, it seems that that national media is so obsessed with putting on only when it comes to their so-called balance, never Trumpers, that there is no longer any position for even liberals that might share their ideas, that might share our ideas in Muslim reform. The Muslim reform movement leadership that includes not only myself, but Rahil Raza, Esra Nomani, Majid Nawaz, and others are not also not appearing on CNN or MSNBC that I know of. So when you look at obstacles, their programming has become pathologically obsessed with a method of turning everything into a critique about Trump, and thus it becomes an advance, a defense of the protection and the maintenance of networks like Soleimani's, the protection and the maintenance of regimes like Khamenei's and Rouhani's and Hezbollah. That doesn't mean that they're terrorists. It just means that they prefer to maintain the status quo of Islamist dominance in their red-green axis and see conservatives that share their constitution here in America suffer because their ideas lose. It's more about winning and losing against their political adversaries in Washington and rather about what's right and wrong for humanity. You see this in the UN all the time. Why the left focuses on so many resolutions about Israel when Israel is the only democracy in a sea of tyrannies in the Middle East. The boundaries appear to have been lost to the limits upon which partisanship can dominate what we deal with. Ilhan Omar was talking this week and laughing, standing behind the mic as her colleagues, her Democratic colleagues, were talking about troops that had died in war in Iraq. She wasn't paying attention. She was laughing about God knows what, but it was rude and insolent. And then later from the mic herself, she said whenever she hears Trump talk about something military, she has PTSD. And she was roundly criticized by veterans groups and others that PTSD is a serious disorder that has caused some to act out with murder and other acts that are violent, and it is a horrific disease and cannot be used reflexively. And she digs her heels in and says that she, at the age of 11, was removed from a country in civil war and has seen death in war, did not apologize. So excuse me, is that PTSD the same thing that caused her two years ago in 17 to write a tweet? To write a tweet that the real terrorists in Somalia in the early 90s in Operation Restore Hope were the Americans that killed thousands. That's what she believed. It was the Americans that were terrorists, not Adid's troops and, and warlords and barbarians. It was the Americans, according to Ilhan Omar, who was barely alive at that time, that were the terrorists.
Should I continue on the list of appeasement with the Iranian lobby in Washington that the left has demonstrated? Bernie Sanders and Senator Warren hosted a call with Nayak, the National Iranian American Council, the Tehran, the pro-Tehran lobby in Washington, hosted a call to define what the issues were for them. After the Soleimani killing. And with the nuke, nuke deal. As real as a legitimate moderate Muslim Omar Qudrat who ran for Congress in California and unfortunately lost. As he said on Twitter, he said, Iran backed itself into a lose-lose situation and backed down. We should never again return to a policy that allows Iran or any nation to kill Americans with impunity without consequence. And you know, before this partisan hackery started, there used to be a day where we focused on our enemies. We focused on the ideology that united us. But yet it seems that now Speaker Pelosi, Ilhan Omar, AOC, are sympathizing with Iranian talking points about needless provocations. That was her first response. Needless provocations. I think if you talk to Syrian Americans, they tell you that half a million dead, 10 million displaced, is quite provocative to start with in Syria alone, let alone in Yemen across the Middle East of what Soleimani orchestrated as the mass killer that he was. Our own newspaper, the Arizona Republic, had on its cover this week, Iranians mourn Soleimani. What has happened? Journalism is dead? They basically published a story, probably out of USA Today, the Gannett that owns them, but they didn't have a clue on how to interview local Iranian Americans about what they felt about the regime, about Rouhani, Khamenei, Soleimani, their entire mafia Islamist network. They couldn't have done any legitimate journalism journalisming <laughs> and spoken to some Iranian Americans about the propaganda that they basically reposted stuff from press TV and we saw this all over the country all over the country reports of Iran mourning Iranians mourning The loss of Soleimani. Nonsense. Time magazine then has... uh, You want another evidence of what the left said? Time said, If you need help talking with the children in your life about the aftermath of Iranian General Qasem Soleimani's killing, Time for Kids has a guide to explaining the topic. Ben Shapiro (laughs) said best. He said, Okay, here it is, kids. A bad man who killed tens of thousands of people, including hundreds of Americans, was blown up. Period. End of story. And now you talk about, they talk about all Americans now that have anxiety about the fact that we're going to war. You idiots created this anxiety. 
You started the drumbeats of war in order to get your ratings up in news and put the, the fear of holy hell into everybody this week. And then you say, oh, look, Trump did this. You created and stirred up this nonsense. Actually, firm responses are the way to prevent war. A regime that, that, has, never, that has never apologized for anything. Call the downing of that airline a disastrous mistake. And if you want to see where the Islamists, by the way, who again, I am am really convinced now as I look at how difficult it is to do philanthropic uh, uh, fundraising and and the anti-jihadist work that we do in the Muslim Reform Movement and others, that that it, it it is beyond simply about waking up Muslims. We are living and and trying to create this movement in an environment where the left wants America to lose. And and you might think that sounds bad. They want America to lose when policies of conservatives and strength and defense of universal human rights against tyrants stand up. And when those stand up in the name of humanity, in the name of America, if it's not their idea, which they're not doing at all, please tell me where they're doing it. Even Ricky Gervais this week at the Golden Globes talked at to Apple and all the Hollywood hoity-toities and told him, he said, you guys better watch it before you come up here and give political speeches when you're making billions off of sweatshops in a country that, in countries that are committing acts of acts of war crimes and otherwise against humanity, and many of them responded then afterwards and saying that this was conservative talking points that he was giving Republican talking points. Seriously, they can't anymore have an honest conversation about how right he was about the LeBron James uh, syndrome, where you can't say anything about China because it's more complicated than that and we shouldn't talk about it. Really, then you wonder why people who want to be freed, prisoners of conscience around the world, often see the people in charge in America often as being hypocrites. Toughest question is... Ultimately, I don't know what's in their hearts. I don't know what's in their hearts, but I have to tell you, if they love America, if they love America and their version of loving America is about seeing us lose, seeing us whimper and appease with our tail between our legs and then letting them run over the world with killing more and more people, if that's their version of loving America, I don't see that as love. Let's have that conversation, please. Can we have that conversation about what it means to love not only our flag and our constitution, but the principles for which we stand? If you believe in the advocacy of advancing liberty against political Islam and its threats and its jihad, what does that mean? What stances will they take? And I think the left repeatedly now is exposing itself that it has a core 
value structures, trying to say that the right has that, trying to say that the right is uh, alt-right and racist and and all the other identity politics. But uh, I have to tell you, while, yeah, there's some smattering of, of bigotry that exists as, as it does with Jeremy Corbyn's of the world and his anti-Semitism, but at the end of the day, I have to tell you, I think the left has a much bigger problem with its appeasement of tyrants and socialists and collectivist movements and its blind eye with the bigotry to minorities in America, with the bigotry that it doesn't matter what we do internally about women's rights and others, it just matters, are they with us against the conservatives? That's all that matters. And if you don't see that as one of the biggest obstacles to getting a palpable movement of reform in America within the Muslim communities, then you are blind. You're blind. You don't get it. You don't see the the damaging effects that the constant drumbeats against partisan politics on MSNBC and CNN and Politico and others, that this is the pathology that is retarding 18 years now since 9-11 going on 19, that is retarding the ability to build a palpable reform movement of anti-Islamism and anti-Jihad. Help me, ladies and gentlemen. Help me wake up both the left and the right. The folks on the right, the Koch brothers types that are helping build horrific institutes like the Quincy Institute that is now working with our enemies, because it claims to be against war and about libertarianism, but is actually about saying America has no role in the world. We are basically liberty just for Americans. We don't want to help other people be free. No. And that does, it doesn't mean if, if you think we should be helping other people be free means we should be in war. It's not a, that's a straw man argument. It's a false argument. And nobody's saying that just because we support the Iranian people and we take out Soleimani, who's a terror terrorist, that somehow then we want to start a war with Iran. They can't go toe-to-toe with America. They don't want to. They don't have the economy to do it. They don't have the, 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 the willpower, and they know they'll lose. That's how peace through strength works. But we need your help. We need to use social media. We need to use other mechanisms to marginalize the obsessed left and whoever else refuses to acknowledge the principles with which we should hold Muslims who are a quarter of the world's population, but with which we should hold those populations accountable to the same principles that we hold every every rational country in the world, which is the Universal Declaration of Human Rights and our constitutions and our equality and freedom. This is Zudi Jasser. Thanks for joining me this week. I hope you're having a great New Year's and a blessed and healthy one because 2020 is going to be amazing and we are going to make some change. This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.